Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. Today, we invited our old friend Dr. Hofstadter to the program. We'll explore more interesting knowledge with Dr. Hofstadter. Let's welcome Dr. Hofstadter with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Hofstadter? Good evening, every dear friend in the audience. Nice to see you again, Connie. And thank you for your invitation. I'm very glad to be here. In the last episode, we said that tetraspanins are readily internalized and recruited into multivesicular bodies and exosomes. This is due to the localization of tetraspanins in cholesterol-rich membrane microdomains and their oligomerization and multimolecular complex formation. In addition, there is evidence that tetraspanins are not only constituents of exosomes, but also contribute to the selectivity of protein uptake in exosomes due to the presence of the tetraspanin web. Finally, we say that the excellent target cell selectivity of exosomes in vitro and in vivo is based on the interaction of target cell ligands with exosomal tetraspanin-associated receptors. Taken together, we have learned a lot about the fascinating relationship between tetraspanins and the vesicular trafficking of exosomes. I believe we have much more to discuss about tetraspanins. What is our topic today, Dr. Hofstadter? Yeah, you know the function of tetraspanins in cells is a hot area for researchers to explore. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. One of the earliest reports on tetraspanins described the involvement of the tetraspanin CD81 in B-cell immune responses. At the same time, there is substantial evidence that tetraspanins are important in non-adaptive immune responses, mediated by various factors, such as natural killer cells, neutrophils, and macrophages, as well as T and B-cell responses. Last but not least, the role of tetraspanins in antigen presentation by dendritic cells cannot be ignored. What experimental model did the researchers use to draw these conclusions? The deficiency of humoral or cellular immune response in tetraspanin CD37, CD81, CD151, span 32, and CD9 deficient mice supports the involvement of four transmembrane proteins in the immune response. I understand. But how does the tetraspanin CD81 participate in the B-cell immune response? Association of CD81 with CD19 as part of the B-cell signaling complex lowers the threshold for B-cell activation. You know, this is one of the first observations regarding the involvement of tetraspanins in immune response induction. In general, quiescent B-cells are unable to release measurable amounts of exosomes. However, when B-cells are stimulated, I mean, especially when stimulated by CD40 and interleukin-4 receptors, exosomes are secreted. Okay. Then what are the characteristics of exosomes produced by B-cells? Well, B-cell-derived exosomes are characterized by abundant expression of MHC class 1 and 2 molecules, 
heat shock proteins 70 and 90, CD45, Mosin, tubulin, actin, surface antibodies, CD19 and CD81, and other things. It is important to note that the distribution of MHC class 1 and 2 molecules in cell membranes differ from that in exosomes. Therefore, most of these molecules are recovered in the soluble fraction of the cell membrane. But cholesterol-rich tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomain in exosomes. This finding suggests that tetraspanins are selectively recruited during internalization and vesicle formation. What is the purpose of exosomes produced by B cells to express these proteins and molecules in large quantities? The answer is to promote the rapid start of the subsequent immune response. B-cell-derived exosomes are captured by follicular dendritic cells. Subsequently, follicular dendritic cells that do not express MHC class II molecules can activate T-helper cells. Additionally, B-cell-derived exosomes have been shown to present allergenic peptides and activate allergen-specific T-cell proliferation and production of cytokines interleukin-5 and 13. Exosomes have the typical phenotype of activated B-cell exosomes, with MHC class 1 and 2 co-stimulatory molecules and CD81-associated CD19. So, B-cell-derived exosomes may play a key role in allergic immune responses. In addition to CD81, tetraspanin CD63 is also expressed on exosomes from Epstein-Barr virus-transformed B-cell lines. What is the significance of CD63 expression? Well, T-helper cell proliferation was increased in the absence of CD63, which was accompanied by a significant reduction in exosome delivery. It's interesting because CD63 deficiency does not affect the ability of these exosomes to stimulate Epstein-Barr virus antigen-specific T-helper cells. So I think it suggests that Reduced exosome secretion could be explained by CD63 deficiency. But I am not sure of the mechanism underlying the increased T-helper cell proliferative response. How about exosomal microRNAs? Will they be related to the increased proliferation of T-helper cells? Well, I would say transferring microRNAs that interfere with components of the T-cell activation signaling cascade is one possibility. Pancreatic cancer-derived exosomes do not affect B-cell activation by either T-dependent or T-independent antigens. However, exosomes promoted slight downregulation of spleen tyrosine kinase. So this finding is explained in the sense that although the primary response is not impaired, exosomal microRNAs may interfere with B-cell response regulation. This raises another question. How are various tetraspanins involved in T-cell activation? You know tetraspanin CD81 and CD82 can accumulate at T-cell receptor junction sites. In mice lacking tetraspanins, hyperproliferative responses were predominantly observed. So, it suggests a regulatory role for tetraspanins in T-cell activation. CD81 and CD37 are also involved in the differentiation of T-helper cells. But I think it remains to be explored. The regulatory role of tetraspanins in T-cell activation and the underlying mechanisms 
by which tetraspanins promote the differentiation of T-helper cells. I see. Dr. Hofstadter, how would you describe the effect of tetraspanins on macrophages? I would say tetraspanins can either promote or inhibit macrophage activation. I mean, the inhibitory effect appears to be mediated by the interaction of CD37 and CD63 with C-type lectins. For example, Dectin-1 can recognize fungal wall components. An interaction of CD37 and CD63 with Dectin-1 leads to downregulation of interleukin-6 and tumor necrosis factor alpha secretion levels. So they may regulate the expression of spleen tyrosine kinase downstream of Dectin-1. Conversely, CD9 regulates lipopolysaccharide TLR4 signaling, thereby promoting tumor necrosis factor alpha production. I've read one study that researchers explored the effect of exosomes in bronchoalveolar lavage fluid on sarcoidosis. What did they find in this study? You know sarcoidosis, a type 1 T helper cell-driven granuloma, may be an autoimmune disease that preferentially affects the lungs. The researchers found that exosomes from patients with sarcoidosis were significantly different from exosomes from healthy donors that expressed upregulated levels of MHC class 1 and 2 molecules, heat shock protein 70, neuregulin, CD9, CD63, and CD81. So they suggest that exosomal tetraspanin MHC contribute to the activation of type 1 T helper cells. I think it's mainly because the expression of MHC molecules and tetraspanins in exosomes is simultaneously upregulated. Exosomes stimulate leukocytes to produce tumor necrosis factor gamma and interleukin-13, and epithelial cells to produce interleukin-8. What pathways are involved in the upregulation of interleukin-8 in epithelial cells? Actually, interleukin-8 upregulation in epithelial cells may follow different pathways. Tumor necrosis factor alpha-expressed exosomes have been reported to induce interleukin-8 production. Moreover, CD9 has been described to promote tumor necrosis factor alpha production through toll-like receptor for signaling. So we can conclude that exosomes contribute to the pathogenesis of this autoimmune disease. This should be taken into account in treatment strategies. Yeah, I think so. We all know that dendritic cells are the most powerful professional antigen-presenting cells. They take up and digest antigens to present peptides from MHC class II molecules to T helper cells. What role do tetraspanins play in this process? You know, rather than randomly present in the plasma membrane, MHC class II molecules are organized in lipid rafts and tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomain. So several of these tetraspanins bind to MHC class II molecules and co-stimulatory molecules, leading to the aggregation of antigen-presenting complexes. I mean, this contributes to T-cell receptor aggregation and activation of signal transduction. However, other tetraspanins, such as CD37, CD151, and SPAN32, have been shown to negatively affect antigen presentation. I think it may be due to the promotion of antigen endocytosis and MHC class II molecules transported by tetraspanins. For example, 
upon pathogen binding, CD63 is internalized and translocated to the endosomal lysosomal compartment. Is it feasible to replace dendritic cells with dendritic cell-derived exosomes in immune response induction? You are making an important point because it works. You know, therapeutic options for exosomes were first explored in the context of dendritic cell-derived exosomes as vaccines for cancer therapy. I think we can elaborate on this important aspect of exosomes in a later episode. Dendritic cell-derived exosomes are particularly enriched in CD9 and CD81, CD82, MHC class 1 and 2 molecules. And MHC molecules colocalize with tetraspanins during vesicle formation. As I just mentioned, dendritic cells also take up exosomes secreted by other cells, including tumor cells. The exosomes are internalized and processed for presentation of which exosomal CD9 and CD81 are important components for uptake by dendritic cells. Therefore, dendritic cells use exosomes as an antigen source, and produce exosomes sufficient to activate T-cells. So, both features expand the range of functional applications of dendritic cells. That makes sense. What does the specific contribution of exosomal tetraspanins in dendritic cells depend on? The answer is the enrichment and aggregation of MHC and co-stimulatory molecules in the tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomain. They lower the threshold for T-cell activation. The binding of tetraspanins to adhesion molecules is likely to facilitate exosome targeting. Will exosomes be especially important for cell-to-cell -cell communication in organs with very limited cell movement, such as the brain? And also, which tetraspanins play critical roles in neuroimmune? Yeah, exosomes may become especially important for information transfer between neurons and microglia in the brain. Similar to dendritic cells in lymphoid organs, brain resident cells from bone marrow microglia secrete exosomes expressing CD9 and CD81. This aspect of nutrient exchange was validated, in which exosomes displayed a complete metabolic pathway necessary for anaerobic glycolysis and lactate production. As we said before, tetraspanins are involved in exosome activity. Microglial exosomes, distinct from dendritic cells, express the CD9-associated dipeptidase CD13. I mean, exosomal CD13 is functionally active and cleaves enkephalins. Cleaved neuropeptides cannot bind neuronal opioid receptors. Neurons express CD13 on the presynaptic membrane, which can control neuropeptides at the synaptic level. Since microglial exosomes also express CD13, neuropeptide catabolism can also be controlled at a distance. So, in short, the work done to date supports the active involvement of exosomal tetraspanins in immune response regulation. Has the functional activity of tetraspanins in exosomes in the modulation of immune responses, received much attention. I don't think so. Only substances known to support the induction or modulation of immune responses rely on the binding of tetraspanins to some molecules in the tetraspanin-rich membrane microdomains. These molecules include accessory molecules, reaction-inhibiting molecules, and MHC molecules. The tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomain locations indicated that 
In addition to the aggregation of membrane molecules, there was also a phenomenon of the signal molecules. I think the binding of tetraspanins to adhesion molecules would explain target cell selection and would enhance contacts between exosomes and target cells, further facilitating the regulation of target cell activation states. And also, exosomal uptake will have a severe impact on gene expression in target cells via exosomal microRNAs. As far as I know, this aspect has not been explored. But I think exosomal microRNAs are likely to be the main factor in the regulation of exosomal immune responses. All right. We've discussed enough today about the potential contribution of tetraspanins to selected exosome activity in immune responses, the cell-to-cell -cell spread of infectious agents. Thanks to Dr. Hofstadter for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. We'll discuss more interesting knowledge in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.